Welcome to the Inner Athlete Podcast, where we discuss all things youth athlete development and youth mentoring. Welcome back to the Inner Athlete Podcast, uh, first one of 2024 back in the facility. I think we had uh, previous episodes with Mr. Callison, all the way from the US, a uh, good friend of mine, but uh, we've got uh, a new face here, Jack. Jack, do you want to quickly introduce yourself and you know what do you do? Bit of a history, maybe the sporting history as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. Hey, uh, I'm Jack. So yeah, uh, new coach here at Inner Athlete. Uh, started coaching here, or end of last year. Um, loving it, which is great. Um, play footy, bit of basketball, um, primarily football though, in the uh, ruck position, which is uh, always a bit of fun, as my ruckman out there will know. But yeah, no, I'm really excited to be here today and yeah, share things with you. Yeah, just talk about a little bit of your journey. Um, playing ruck as well. I don't know, you know, let them know, you know, what your height and weight is and all that jazz and just give them a bit, bit of reference. Yeah, so like six foot seven, 202 centimeters at about sitting, or currently I'm at like 93 kilos. I was closer to 100, but I um, stopped taking creatine over Christmas. Just sort of fell off with yeah. the consistency. So I was like, All right, I'm just going to, have a clean state in the new year and then just restart creatine cycle. But yeah, it's a conversation for later. Yeah, it's another conversation. Yeah, it's There's another conversation. Heaps of health benefits coming out <laughs> yeah. now with creatine. Um, um, but yeah, talk, talk of us about like your footy career. Obviously, being a tall guy, you know, you're relatively lean. Like I'm 6'2", I'm 112 kilos. So obviously, I'm shorter, but I'm a lot heavier. Yeah. So how, how, do you, how do you go about, you know you know, throughout your playing career as a junior, like to getting up to size and, you know, making sure you've got enough strength and power to, you know, keep up with the ones that are, you know, are pretty strong. Yeah, so I, like, I was always all right, like, during my junior years. Like, I didn't really play a whole lot of ruck because I wasn't super, super tall until I was, like, 16, 17, 18. Like, in high school, I just had that growth spurt and just shot up like a little beanstalk. Um, so... When I got into like under 19s and I was playing for Chelsea, I'd noticed that, okay, I might need to start to get into the gym here because there's some bigger bodies. And especially when I started to play, like I'd play Saturday, play my game in the 19s and then help out in the resis afterwards. And versus some fully grown men, you know, as a 18, 19 year old, you just sort of get tossed around. And I was like, all right, I need to put on some size. I need to put on some strength so I can hold my own in the contest. Like, I had the jumping ability and I'd be able to out-jump all my opponents, but the second it comes to a, like, ball up or a throw-in... The I'd, physical contact. Yeah, i just get tossed to the side and, you know, sure, i get a free, couple free kicks here and there, but the, for the most part, that's just how you rock. So I had to learn as well to sort of get into the right positions and how to use my body as I could. So I'd often use, like, my hips sort of lean into them a little bit more, use their momentum to then generate some space. But you come up against another crafty ruckman that does that, that's, you know, taller than you and got 30, 40 kilos, you're kind of at a loss and you just have to suck it up. And it's just a bad day at the day. office. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, so you, you mentioned something really interesting. So you mentioned that you were, I guess, essentially strength-wise and... A, um, size-wise, you're undersized in that sense yeah. against other ruckmen, but you learn to kind of like be really crafty. So you you manage to kind of like work around, I guess, what you had a deficit in. And then yeah, you became yeah. like a, a better player in that sense. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you got to be resourceful. Like, if you can't 
can't beat him in one way, you've got to find another way to beat him. Like, you've still got to be competitive, otherwise he's going to get dragged to the pine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's like um, like with Novak um, Djokovic. I, I, think, I think Novak's the goat when yeah, it comes to tennis. He's, he's um, it's pretty good. Like, because the Oz Open's on at the moment. Yeah, he played last night, didn't he? Yeah. Um, guy. Then it, it's interesting. His game is so is so intriguing because he he every tournament or every year he seems to just get better and better. And like last year, he showed not many signs of slowing down, except for you know Roland Garros where he lost in the final, but he almost had a clean sweep. Yeah. But he he manages the plug holes in his game no matter what. He's very he's with the, probably the most flexible athlete there. He's not the biggest server as such, but he serve, his serve has been relatively high. Yeah. Um, he's, he's tall. He's obviously got the strength to back up, but he's not like a massive powerhouse, but he has enough in order to keep up. And he's a very, probably one of the best well-rounded players. He doesn't really have much of a serve volley game, but he can utilize that if he needs to as well. And then obviously being in the game for so long, he's very crafty and he's just like, he kind of knows the strengths and weaknesses and where to find those gaps when it comes to other tennis players as well. So, which is really interesting, but he tends to, I think the first round match, he actually struggled because he played someone he's never played before as well. And that's mm. why Grand Slams are really interesting when you don't play someone who's, you know, top 10 and they lose or, you know, they drop a set when they weren't expected to. Yeah. Um, but those you know young kids might do well, but then eventually the more experienced you are and more skilled and less gaps you have, that you'll be able to find those spaces in someone else's game. But back to you, back to your you specifically. So what happened? So you, you know you try to get stronger. Um, what, what happened? Did you get get into the gym? Did you start you know focusing on gaining strength and size? Yeah, yeah. So I just uh, joined like the local Good Life uh, with like a couple of mates from school, and we just sort of go there after school do bits and bobs like we had a program that we're following but you know it wasn't like a footy program necessarily it was just you know get big quick that kind of it's like a bodybuilder yeah just some bodybuilder programming kind of thing that you just find on the internet that you know is just generic as barbell bench you know bent over row back squat pretty standard stuff yeah standard stuff and like all right starting out but I don't know, I just sort of found eventually it didn't really get me anywhere. Like, sure, I got a little bit stronger, I put a little bit on size, but it didn't really translate into my sport a whole lot. Like, I didn't run faster, I didn't jump that much higher. Like, I did a little bit of box jumps here and there, but, you know, it was here and there, it wasn't routine. Yeah, and then where did you find the program, actually? God, I can't even remember. It was literally just like my mate found it and he's like, oh, this is sick. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's do it. Because like he'd been going to the gym for a few months before me. so like, Was he a footy player? No, no. He played, a li- I think, a little bit of soccer here. He had played footy in the past, but he wasn't playing football at the time. He was just focusing just on gym and school. Okay, so he was just focusing on just getting just yeah, big, yeah, big yeah. and swole. Yeah, that's his goal. Yeah, okay. So obviously you had some success to some degree but in terms of improving your general athleticism it didn't really pay off was there really like a point where you're like okay maybe i need to do something a bit more focused um throughout that time yeah there was probably a couple points um the first one that's the most like i don't know memorable i guess or just always at the back of my mind when we think about like overtraining and i remember in our session like last week how Stefan was talking about his overtraining and I was just in the back of my mind like, ah, I've been here, I know this feeling. Because essentially what I would do was like, 
go to footy training on like a Friday night, for example, ride my bike from Cornish to Parkdale, however long that took, like half an hour. And then I'd do football training, ride my bike from Parkdale to Aspendale, and then ride my bike again from Aspendale to Chelsea, go do legs, and then a hit session on the treadmill after that, and ride my bike home. And I was sort of wondering why, why am I getting anywhere, you know? feel tired i feel sore but i'm not noticing any differences and like looking back i'm just like oh mm. what am i doing like yeah it's just textbook like because you thought that you know training more is, more, better. more is better yeah exactly like it's you know it's the mindset i think a lot of people like young people have is more is better you know and it's not the case like recovery is king yeah it's kind of like what happened to when was that point? When did you realize and like, oh, this is ridiculous? When I started sort of starting like studying, like I guess back end of like maybe year 12 and PA, start to learn a little bit about recovery, but it's all very, very basic and that sort of stuff. Yeah, you just didn't, you couldn't think of how it applied to me or to yourself, I mean. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess like I was probably a little bit, I don't know, arrogant maybe for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. but like, think oh you know you're too good yeah i'm too good like that sort of stuff so i guess i just sort of had to humble myself a little bit and yeah when i started going to uni i was like huh setting myself up for failure here is that because you didn't understand the mechanisms at play or like what are the potential you know long-term consequences probably just the long-term consequences like i understood the mechanisms and all that but i just probably didn't think like long term all right where is this going to get me is it going to get me where i want to be yeah. And then, yeah, just had like, I don't know, over like, I guess over that summer, summer break, I sort of changed the way I trained a little bit. I did a bit more research because I knew that I was like, all right, I want to go down this sports science sort of field. Like, how can I apply what I'm about to learn mm. into my own training, my own world? And then, yeah, I started to do a bit more research, found like guys like Eugene Tower and that sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, is a different way of thinking you know out there it's not has to be what this set and standard like gold standard of training is there's other ways and other perspectives and then I just sort of picked and choose you know what resonated with me the most and my feelings in training and then just sort of put together what was best for me I found it sounds like you kind of feel like yeah you have a stimulus you need to let your body respond to that stimulus then adapt to the stimulus yeah then just rinse and repeat that yeah, yeah, met probably the hundreds way and thousands of times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Then, then, what? Where are you now? So you kind of like had a bit of an epiphany, you know, throughout your uni. Yeah. Right. Then, what happened to your training then? So, moving forward from, from being, I guess, like a more like a bodybuilder style to going through uni. Then, kind of like, how did your training start to change? Yeah. So I, pretty simply, just started to incorporate more sports specific movements so more jumps throws locomotive excuse me locomotion sort of stuff as well so like they had a sled there i probably never touched a sled ever before that i was like oh i don't need this like you know and then i was like holy shit it's actually really really good and like i was getting knee pain at the time and i was like wow my my knees feel great go figure and like i watched a video uh you know the knee guy 
Oh, the Aussie dude lives in America. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, ben yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't know. I just saw like a video of his on like Instagram or Facebook and he was just walking through a couple of sled stuff and he was like, oh, you should start to sled backwards. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll give it a try. And like just started to work through, you know, in those different planes of motion, start to include some rotational sort of stuff and just, yeah, structure and routine was the biggest thing, making it a routine thing that I did consistently. Yeah. I noticed the benefits. I started to jump high. I started to run faster, you know, and I started to perform better, yeah. which is why, what, why I started gym in the first place. Yeah, and then it just took you a couple of years to yeah, figure that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just had to, you know, baby steps. But, like, the guy, I guess the thing was I was, you know, doing it all my own. Like, I had, you had the PT sesh here and there with, like, the, the, P, the complimentary sessions here and there, like, with the PTs at the gym. But I remember just... I don't know if it was the quality of the PT or because I knew that they weren't going to make money from me, that like they just sort of didn't care about the session. Mm. Like I was like, oh, can I get you to look at my compound lifts? Because, you know, I, I think I'm okay, but I'm not 100% sure. And I remember I got him to look at my like back spot and he was like, yep, it's all good there, no worries. And I was probably going at like quarter depth. So like for a big man, I'm quite mobile and I can go pretty much all the way down. And like I was limiting myself in only, you know, quarter like squat depping and then the second i start to try and go that further range of motion i was just wasn't strong through there yeah so like that didn't help as well i had to sort of relearn to squat essentially um but built that up a bit and then yeah just really started to notice the improvements start to actually put the size on diet i started to eat a whole lot more than i had previously yeah then obviously that links into it so you're what were you eating like for like in high school when you're playing footy? Then kind of like how did your eating start to change throughout? Yeah, so like I guess, God, I know it's, it's this is hard. Uh, probably a brekkie. I'd either have like you know your up and go banana or I'd skip it. So yeah. like I probably because I'd have to wake up, catch the bus, go to bed later, wake up as like like late as I could to be able to leave, and then yeah. So sometimes I'd skip brekkie. Lunch would probably be like leftovers, whatever it's pasta or like a sandwich or something like that. A um, couple snacks and here and there for recess, but you know, sweet stuff, some savory stuff. Probably not, looking back, probably not the best stuff to eat, but it's all right. It was yummy. Yeah, yeah, I know. yeah that's yeah, and that like, palatable. Yeah, it's palatable. And I mean, at the end of the day, like, you run around a whole lot during high school. I know for me, at least, I was every lunch recess, every free period we got, we're just out playing sport, you know, running around, playing soccer, kicking the footy. So, like, we're a whole lot active than we really thought. And then I'd eat, yeah, just, like, a sandwich or two, have the little snacks, and then there'd be sort of nothing until dinner. I might have a snack when I get home, but it'd, it'd probably just be something sweet, like biscuits or a cookie or, yeah. Yeah. Not but- super nutritious. Yeah, but did you notice that you were, like, hungry most of the time, though, growing up? Like, because you said you started yeah. to shoot up when you were 16 years old, right? Did yeah. Your metabolism started to increase quite, by quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. I didn't notice. I started to, like, eat bigger portions. I was eating more frequently. Um, I don't really notice, like, I guess a turning point, but definitely in year 11, year 12, I was... Yeah, compared to, like, year 9, year 10. Yeah, I was eating like a horse. Like, I was just trying to get as much in as well. Yep. Started to like supplement a little bit as well um, and just protein powder, um, 
my mate tried to get me to get one of those like mass gainers, but I was like, nah, I'll be all right. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I think we can steer clear of those. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, yes, not for me. No, that's good. But it, I think there's some real key lessons uh, you've mentioned that you've kind of matured quite a lot when you start to acquire this knowledge i guess you know what are some of the key lessons because obviously we've got you know kids and parents listening to the podcast you know what are some key lessons that i guess what are three key takeaways in terms of from a training perspective but also three from a nutrition perspective that you had wished you had done earlier or that you had wished um that you had applied that you didn't or you know what are some key things yeah so i guess training wise is just consistency is key i know you'll like sound like a broken record but there's a reason everybody says it like and it doesn't just mean consistently training in the gym it also means consistent recovery so making sure you're getting your eight nine hours of sleep you're meeting your like at least your maintenance requirements for your food and then going into a surplus if you want to really bulk up and put on that size yeah like during the off season yeah during your kids. off season in footy like, and this is sorry sorry break this no, um, this is more for like the tall lean kids yeah this is yeah. like the ones that really struggle to you know put on that muscle mass yeah and it's just you got to consistently eat especially on the days when you're more active you're going to want to eat more because you could burn more energy and like you're not going to consciously think about that you know when you're setting up your meal plan but like a day where you've got you know a training session, you know, you might have a school training session as well and you might have a gym session as well. You might want to eat, you know, the 30% more than what you've eaten on a day where you've got a rest day and you're not doing much because mm. you're going to burn that more energy. You're going to feel more tired. You're going to need that fuel for then the next day for you to recover properly. Yeah, and also for the day prior as well that you yeah. still got to recover from where you're experiencing DOMS or something yeah, like that exactly. where a lack of protein can actually yeah. s- like slow down the recovery rate but also... The food is, I guess you have the the stimulus, which is the training. You have the adaptation period, which is the sleep and the nutrition side. Yeah. Uh, but then, then you have like obviously the recovery, the component within that as well. Then you have the response. The response is we should be able to recover faster in order to train again as well. So the more training sessions you can get with the consistency plus the good nutrition, the more frequent you can train, but also at, at an intensity that continues to drive that adaptation as well. Yeah. And like just on that consistency, like all you need for growth is, you know, 10 sets per week on each group. And I remember we had that seminar with Nash and he said something in line with that. He's like two times a week, 10 sets per group. Yeah. And like that's, it's plain and simple. If you hit that volume, you're going to grow. As long as you're eating as well, you're not eating in, you know, a deficit or maintenance, you're going to gain weight. Yeah. But you've just got to be consistent with both. It's... Yeah, everyone says it, but there's a reason why everyone says it. And even that you mentioned before about when you start to, I guess, you know, train a lot more athletically, um, that you your vertical jump start to improve, your knee pain start to go away. Your training was more designed about improving our, your athleticism. Were you playing footy at the time? Just yeah, yeah. So I was still playing footy then when I started out. So it, it even fed into that in terms of yeah. playing on the field yeah and that in turn like in line sort of fed into my motivation as well like it started to really think like oh, okay i'm really putting in the work here and i'm starting to get the like reap the rewards like didn't feel like a waste of time and i know that like a lot of people can sort of feel like they get into that sort of rut especially like starting out they'll have a highly you know big period of motiva- motivation where they're really determined and really excited to get into the gym 
and then you'll just sort of see them drop off, you know, after a couple of months because they sort of question why. And I think having like specific or smart goals is the best way to go about it. I didn't have any specific goals starting out. It was off, you know, get big, put on some strength. Like Very that's general. it. Yeah. But like, I didn't have any way of measuring it, you know, keeping myself accountable, giving myself a time period as well. So having a specific, measurable, attainable, and time efficient goals is the way to go. Yeah. I think, quickly summing up it's real. i think number one the biggest lesson probably sounds like you probably just need the knowledge i think you you wanted to be in this industry that you acquired the knowledge you applied the knowledge you got the results that you wanted number one but then you know for those who don't have the time energy or effort you know you know where can people actually start yeah so i think seeking guidance is probably the best way to do it and especially in light of covid there's a whole plethora of like online coaches now um, which is sort of, I think, a bit of a shift in the industry as to what some people, like, we're sort of going a bit towards more. Obviously, you still want to try and get into, like, a one-on-one session or, you know, a place like this where you've got a coach on the floor that's going to be able to guide you through the correct form and be able to help you understand why you're doing this for your sport or for whatever your goal is. So that it just doesn't feel tedious or it's like, oh, what's the point, you know? Mm. You're doing it for a reason. And that reason is then linked back to your goal. So it's going to help to keep you motivated and keep you determined. But 100% seeking guidance and some direction from a coach is the best way to go forward. There you have it. Jack just said, just sign up here. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Recipe um, for success. That's it. Uh, and then, yeah. And then, having, as you mentioned before, it's like having the coach send those clear intentions you might have a timeline that's associated with it okay cool we just reverse engineer from there and then just write the program and we start moving forward and implementing uh, from there and then i think the other part i think is when you've got a plan or you've got a lot of moving parts is implementing you know one part at a time i think sometimes the process can become quite overwhelming mm. most people just come into a gym and just want to sign up and then just you know start training but you do need a bit more of a, a, um, a broken down. It needs to be a little bit more methodical, meeting them where they actually are at this point in time, understanding a bit yeah, of injury one. history. Dietary restrictions is a big one as well. Um, then then trying to piece together where they're actually at and understand that first, then you can start to make those minor modifications that are very simple. So, you know, how, how do you, you know, it's the old analogy is like, how do you um, eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. Yeah. It's just like one chunk, yeah, exactly. one chunk, one chunk, one chunk, you know. Once you've done that over three or four months, you know, you've worked your way through, you know, mm. quite a bit of the process and it's more ingrained in, ter- in terms of a lifestyle change rather than be like, you know, here's your meal plan, here's, here's your training plan. You're going to train this many days a week and it's like, all oh, right, probably doesn't even fit within the lifestyle of the person yeah. as well. So I think that's a real big part is like, can it fit within someone's lifestyle, especially with younger kids that, you know, their training schedule, you know, we work with swimmers, they're swimming, you know, between 15, 20 hours a week, which is huge. Plus they've got gym, plus they've got school, plus they've got, you know, extracurricular yeah. on top of all that. And it's like, where are they going to get like everything else? You know, it, we just need to think more logistically um, in terms of the real world. So then it can actually be appropriately applied and potentially as things change throughout the year then we can ramp up or need to ease back based on what's happening in that time of the year yeah and i think as well like just even schools for example most schools nowadays have a gym there like i know there's going to be some that don't but 
I can think of all the local high schools that will have a mini gym or some description in there that people can use in lunch. And like, that's a great way to get started as well. Like I'm sure there'll be a staff member there that's got some experience or a coach. Like I know at Halebury, they've got coaching team mm. there for the, for the kids um, that come in on lunch to use the gym so that they can actually learn to use the gym without, you know, running the risk of injury, doing everything safe and effectively. Yeah, yeah. boys are the age of high risk-taking behaviour. Yeah, exactly. And like, <laughs> there's a... I remember, yeah, there's a few few head-scratching moments there during placement where just boys will be boys, I guess, for lack of better terms. But like, just think they can move a mountain, but you just sometimes be like, all right, this is where we're starting out. You'll get there eventually, but baby steps... No, you got. Sometimes you got to let reality hit them in the face. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes they just need a reality check. Cool. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I think we've discussed what we wanted to. Um, until the next time, if you like this episode, please like, subscribe, share, leave a review as well. It really does help us because we really want to push youth athlete development. I think I made the prediction early. I think it was like 2022 actually. I made the prediction that youth athlete development was going to be a bigger thing. It has become a bigger thing. It has become a lot more mainstream now to get kids into the gym. Um, we're hearing more stories of kids younger and younger and younger that really want to double down on athlete development and their pursuit to make state teams or national teams. But the last three years have really, well, four, like, I guess four years now, have really screwed up that athlete development um, that timeline that they normally would go through and there's been some sort of like physical development delay in terms of you know running change of direction jumping and landing because you know if kids aren't playing around they're not really developing it so we see as a growing space it will continue to evolve Um, you're seeing in the US it's massive over there now it's only could become bigger here and you know we're happy to be be surfing that wave and hopefully you'll come join us on the wave as well we'll see you on the next one you have just listened to the Inner Athlete Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with the release of weekly episodes. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to get great tips on all things youth athlete development and youth mentoring.